Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Seller Roundtable number 34 with my co-host. Amy Wees. And this is Andy Arnott, which I forgot in the beginning, but uh, my intros have been getting worse as we've gone along, Amy, not, not, not better. That's, that's bad. And we're, we are very privileged and excited to have Carrie Masters with us today. She is uh, started as an Amazon seller, then transformed into um, a uh, uh, agency owner. Um, and she helps uh, big brands uh, get out the word, uh, markets, and uh, increase sales, all that good stuff on Amazon. Uh, welcome, Carrie. Thanks so much for being with us. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get right into it. Uh, so Kiri, tell us about uh, where you're born, where you live now, kind of past jobs, college, school, kind of your past, just so people get to know you. Anything you want to share, um, feel free to not share anything you don't want to. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, my name's Kiri and I was, um, I'm from Australia. My original career was in banking. So I worked at a retail bank in Australia doing um, marketing and corporate strategy and then I moved over to the US um, to JP Morgan Chase in New York in 2010 and so I, I've had this whole other life in um, commercial banking uh, and then while I was at JP Morgan I started this little side business a craft supply company just on the side just did everything went to some trade shows set up a WordPress site film tutorials for my products and put those up on YouTube and just really enjoyed this um, process of creating a brand. And ultimately I launched a few of those products on Amazon and figured out how that system kind of worked. Um, and then in speaking with my clients at the bank, who some of those um, clients were branded manufacturers and they were really scratching their heads trying to figure this whole Amazon channel out and um, so I decided to go and consult for them as, uh, uh, as a consultant, this is in 2015, I left my job, started consulting and, um, today my company, Bob Sled Marketing is about 25 people and we serve about 55 clients, um, that are generally more established, larger branded manufacturers, like 10 million in revenue plus and uh, typically have other sales channels that are um, that are well established selling to brick and mortar retail maybe some direct-to-consumer e-com um, and the Amazon channel is it's important to them but they don't know really where to start and they don't have the resources internally to to handle that so um, that's been about five years operating that agency and over time uh, have continued to get feedback from clients who leave and some prospects that they wanted to actually not just always outsource this function, especially those that saw it as a very critical sales channel, but um, they wanted to bring their Amazon capability in-house and have their e-commerce team handle it or um, their retail director handle it or something like that. And so um, a couple of weeks ago, I launched a new project called the Marketplace Institute and it's a self-serve uh, platform for internal Amazon teams and or individuals within companies to access the same kind of processes and best practices that we have as an agency as well as you know being able to call an Amazon expert when they're really stuck so um, 
yeah, it's been an evolution. I know that you've had a similar journey in like productizing some, something that you saw a big need for. And um, so I'm looking forward to growing that new business. That's, uh, that's actually an epic idea. The, um, the whole, um, you know, taking uh, systems and sharing them uh, with other businesses, because I feel like uh, there's a, there's a huge uh, gap in that market. I feel like, you know, there's some training and there's some, uh, you know, some, some material on it, but nobody's really kind of take it, taken it system, systematized it and then made it available uh, to other companies. So I think that's, uh, that's pretty epic. That's uh, I think, I think that's going to do well in my opinion. Um, I hope so. <laughs> when, when, when did you first uh, learn about, about Amazon and kind of the opportunity there? Oh, you know, um, Actually, I'm a huge podcast junkie. I love podcasts, and I have been a big listener of uh, one in particular called E-Commerce Fuel. Do you know that one? Hosted I've heard by of Andrew it. Udarian. Mm-hmm. Been around for ages, and I listened to that right back, you know, six years ago, whenever seven years ago, whenever he started. And he had a guest on must have been about 2013 talking about Amazon, and initially just from this tiny little craft product brand selling very obscure uh things that like lamp making supplies it was so about as obscure as as you could possibly get and i used to shop on amazon but when i first heard about oh you could sell on amazon too i was like that's ridiculous no one's gonna buy my lamp making supplies on amazon but i decided to give it a try and i was i was quite surprised what the um the volume was cool yeah so um uh, for you guys hearing some sound in the background, we apologize for that. Uh, Kira's in a co-working space, so it's a, it's a, it's a little yeah. busy in there. So uh, we apologize yeah, for that, but I, but I promise you that the, the content is going to be well worth uh, <laughs> sticking through that. So um, uh, Kiri, uh, what was your biggest challenge with Amazon uh, kind of once you got started? And uh, did you do any, like take any courses? Uh, I know you said you did, you know, listening to podcasts. Were there anything else uh, that you did uh, to kind of get up to speed with with when you first started on Amazon? Yeah, that's a great question. There was back then in 2013-ish, there was not nearly as much content as there is today about how to do everything. And even the Cell Essential interface was not very helpful. Like today we have so many data points that you can use and even just particularly in the last 18 months, we have customer demographics, we have keyword research tools within Amazon, we have, um, you know, shopping basket um, analytics and all these different types of ads that we can run. So today, if you're getting started, I know that people talk about competition a lot and that it's very crowded to get into this space and challenging. But on the plus side, you also have so much more information at your disposal. People who have done this before, agencies, consultants, everyone's putting out great content. And Amazon's, you know, dare I say it, a lot more helpful these days as well. So that's yeah. a, uh, you know, people might tear me apart about that. But yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. Yeah, no, it's funny that you say that uh, because <laughs> I see people uh, griping a lot about uh, dealing with Amazon. Um, and it, in some cases, it's completely justified. Um, Kevin, who's uh, uh, listening right now, has, has had a hellish experience pretty similar to what I had uh, kind of the first or second year where he's just getting hijacked left and right. 
uh, even being read, brand registered and all that. So that system, I think, is still, you know, needs a lot of work. That being said, though, Kiri, I agree with you completely in the fact that, um, you know, the tools and the resources and, uh, you know, things like um, uh, Project Zero, you know, all these things that they're rolling out, the PVC platform. I mean, there's so many other, <clears throat> excuse me, great things uh, going on. Um, that even though there are problems, it's it's much, much better than it was before. And just like you mentioned, uh, back then it was like the Wild West. I started in 2012, so right around the same time, it was the Wild West. You know, it was like if you got hijacked or something like that, it was there wasn't really a whole lot that you could do. Um, so it was even worse then. I know that's hard to believe, people, but uh, but definitely um, some good insight there. So, Kiri, when you're uh, you're doing uh, dealing with clients, are you doing mostly marketing, or do you do any type of um, you know product research, uh, product development, uh, things like that? Well, since we work with established brands, they typically have their product assortment pretty locked down. They know who they are, what they're good at. They have their supply chain in place. So it's really about taking what has worked well in other channels and translating that to Amazon. And I guess in, in some situations, we might give them the advice that look, this is this is particularly crowded or we might even be able to identify opportunities for them to grow their catalog. But it's generally, we're taking something that's already worked for a little while in a different channel. Um, and so the, the suite of services that we offer, there's four sort of main categories. And this is helpful for, for people at any stage to think about um, you know how you're approaching each of these and and maybe resourcing it with freelancers and consultants and things like that so the first is operations and so that includes inventory projections and planning fee analysis and auditing everything that Amazon does with your FBA fees um, you know handling cases when Amazon categorizes your product as hazmat and you know just all, all that sort of random stuff that comes up that's operationally driven from your seller central dashboard so that's operations um, brand protection someone just mentioned transparency and there's you know just it, this area is changing so much as to how low some of your competitors are willing to go to take you out of action and there's some really unfortunate stories around you know bogus um, patent claims which i I wrote about yesterday. I'm would be happy to share this new program that Amazon's got going on. Um, brand protection is really about how who who's selling your product and what are customers saying about your product on Amazon. So resellers, um, IP, and also just responding to customer reviews, especially the negative ones. So that's just something that lots of brands just don't even think about. Don't have any uh, one sort of responsible for that. The third piece is mar organic marketing. So all of your SEO functions and content development for product pages and storefronts. And then finally advertising, so PPC. And we've also started doing some DSP for some brands where it makes sense as well. Awesome, interesting. So um, uh, seeing it, we do a lot of similar uh, functions with our agency, uh, even though we're a lot newer than you. Um, but what I'm curious about is how are you um, keeping up with like the current trends? I know that for us, that, that's a pretty difficult thing to do. Um, do you guys, are you guys doing, um, you know, do you just research uh, what other people are uh, experienced? Do you guys do um, in-house testing? Um, kind of how are you keeping up with the trends on all that stuff? Yeah, so we have about 55 clients, so we generally 
get a sense of new programs and new features that are that Amazon's testing out across you know one they generally run some small tests first and and so we compare notes about what's going on in various accounts and in various categories and how that matches up elsewhere um, and uh, yeah I, it's a full-time job for me personally to stay up to date with all of the trends I write for Forbes retail as a contributor and I do a podcast as well and so that's something that I personally have really invested in to I mean, it's a full-time job, seriously. You guys understand that as well. There's something new every day. There's a new program. There's a rule change. There's an algorithm tweak. There is something going on now, like the government's getting involved with how Amazon's running their business. So <laughs> there is no shortage of things to think about and talk about and give your best advice to brands who are struggling to make sense of, you know, how should I respond to this um, change? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I've read a bunch of your articles. They're fantastic. If you guys haven't, go back and dig some up. And I usually post them a lot, like on LinkedIn and some of my other stuff. But uh, definitely. Thank you. Appreciate Kiri, that. has <laughs> got some, some of the best articles I've read. And I'm usually uh, nodding my head as I, re as I read them. Um, so Kiri. Um, Channeling Andy in my blog post. I don't know about that. But... What would Andy say? <laughs> <laughs> but um, on that note, um, how, uh, because uh, Amy and I are really into this part of the business right now. Uh, we recently both uh, listened to a book called Clockwork, which is all about uh, building systems. If you guys haven't uh, either listened to it, in, in which is the format I always like, or read it, check it out. Uh, it's uh, Clockwork Mike Michalowicz, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Um, oh, anyway, it's all I didn't about- know he had, I didn't know about this book, but I read his previous one. Profit um, First. Was, Profit First. Yeah. So, so good. It is- Yeah. It, it's- Gold. Yeah, it's one of the best books wow. I've read um, in terms of my business just because like I'm always searching for um, an easy way to build processes and I feel like nobody has ever, ever nailed that except for Mike. Mike like puts it in a way that's easy to digest, e actionable, um, all these, you know, probably, hopefully he sells tons of books by, by, <laughs> by when people listening to this go out and buy it because it's fantastic. Yeah. But, um, on that note, Kiri, like what, what did you do? I think you said you have a team of 15 and it's, and I'm guessing they're probably a lot of them are virtual because you're, you know, you're a jet setter, it seems like. So how are you managing all these people? How did you scale to that size? Um, that's always where I'm super interested in. And that translates also to, you know, people running Amazon businesses. Mm, that's a, that is a really good question. I don't get asked this very often. Um, so I've got a team of 25 uh, now. So <clears throat> Um, <laughs> it's been an evolution over the last five years. I'll tell you where I am right now, which is um, I have a president running the, com the company now, and that means that I'm not involved with day-to-day -day decisions and management, um, and I can focus on what is what are my unique talents, which is really looking at the industry and the trends and sort of commenting on those and helping our existing clients and and also you know that's a great marketing channel for us as well but it took me you know four and a half years to get to that point where I could hire someone to do all that um, along the way I've tried to um, sort of hire before I was fully financially ready and this is a big you know Mike McCallowitz um, no, no, <laughs> but um, <laughs> if you're growing fast, 
then you need to go out on a limb and hire people before you're fully ready and you've just got to like trust that the next month and the month after that you're going to keep growing at the same rate and that doesn't always happen and sometimes you end up in a little bit of a ditch and this has happened to me before but um it really depends how aggressive you're, what you're willing to go how confident you are that your trajectory is going to keep going at this up at the same rate that it has been but if you really want to grow and start removing yourself from all the day-to-day -day stuff and particularly the things that you don't like doing or that really um you know tire you then you need to take some risks occasionally and hire before you're fully financially ready i think what mike says in in the clockwork book which is really interesting i was listening to this this morning <clears throat> he talks about you know in order to become financially ready in the future to hire that person, start putting aside kind of like in profit first, how you set aside your profit. He says, open up an account for that future employee and start putting aside what their monthly salary would be every month. And he says, it's going to hurt in the beginning, hmm. but ultimately then ready to hire them. You're, you're hmm. good to go. But I completely agree with you that sometimes you can, you can never be completely ready. And what ends up happening is sometimes it ends up stifling your growth. So you need to kind of, like you said, go out on a limb and make that higher so that you can grow. And I love that you're focusing on what you're really good at, your strength in your business, and you are, you know, growing your team with their strengths kind of running the other sides of things. That's a great, great way to do it. Yeah. So Kiri, <clears throat> excuse me on that note. Um, what are some of the, the, the trends that you're seeing, um, today, um, and also moving into to Q4, um, you know, some of the, some of the stuff that, that, you know, might be helping some of your bigger clients that could maybe translate to, to, us, you know, our listeners, even though we do have the gambit, we have, you know, people just starting all the way up to probably, you know, I've met, uh, I went to a, a Neil Patel event in LA and I met some people who, work for larger companies that had listened to us before, which I thought was pretty awesome. But, um, you know, any, any tips that you can give us marketing wise that will translate across the board, something that hmm. might not be uh, super, uh, you know, front and center that you hear from other, uh, other Amazon experts. Yeah, actually. So, um, like, um, like we just talked about not doing all the day to day frees me up, uh, to do some, cool content marketing stuff I just want to show you this may not be relevant to everyone listening but I did just launch this book Amazon for CMOs last week um, and in that book with my co-author we interviewed about 15 CMOs of uh, some some smaller companies but um, bigger companies like Mondelez, Samsonite, Mitsubishi um, and we talked with them about how they were approaching Amazon and one thing that I, I took away from one of my conversations with the CMO was about investing in innovation. And if we think about innovation, we're thinking about like coding something or you know, a brand new product or something like that. But um, innovation is a lot of things. It's, it's new markets, it's new processes, it is new programs and different ad types like the new sponsored display ad types. And he even offered a rule of thumb that he uses and he's used in his career as a marketing executive, which is um, allocate 10% of your budget, your marketing budget to innovation. 
And so I think to distill that down into like an actionable thing for a smaller brand is look at something like sponsored display. There's lots of um, experts who are saying you have different opinions on it, it's a waste of money and Amazon, you know, it's half-baked. And then others are looking at it as a way to open up the top of your funnel. So, you know, why not look at that program and maybe a couple of other programs and put that into your 10% uh, innovation bucket and not everything's going to work out and you'll be too early on some things and some things will just never work for you. But um, I thought that that was a really good takeaway that a, a company of any size can really think about. Yeah, Kiri, I think that's a great point. I think that so many um, businesses, especially Amazon businesses, are, you know, just locked into like, uh, you know, the, the cut and dry PPC, like, <clears throat> excuse me, there's so many clients, um, when we open up their ad account, they're not even running any product display uh, ads, which I, I'm like, oh my God, there's a, there's such a big opportunity there. I mean, we, we've been seeing um, ACOS like sub 10% on so many different products, especially when you dial it in, um, you know, there's a huge opportunity there. We've also been, you know, preaching for a long time about general like Google ad search, you know, no, very few sellers are using um, just the inline text ads for um, Google ads. <clears throat> right. Excuse me. Right. Those and, are you know, great. And, and the, yeah, the, the point, test. yeah, is test. Exactly. I think, I think that's mm. the main point that we're, that, that uh, Kiri's trying to get across is that, you know, you guys should be testing, um, turning dials, all the most, or at, at least most of the successful Amazon sellers I see are always looking for not necessarily the next like black hat or gray hat trick. Some of them are doing that, of course, but um, you know, looking and testing and seeing what's working, you know, whether it's, you know, trying Pinterest, trying um, Google ads, um, yes. trying messenger New platforms, exactly. Yep. Like testing everything because mm -hmm. it's what, what you don't realize is it's kind of like the 80, 20 rule, you know, when it, when you find a home for your brand and where it's converting and where, you know, where you're making money, then you can put more effort and more money into that. But you might not mm -hmm. never, you, you might not ever know um, about that channel if you haven't tested it. So um, that's, well, that, a, that's a huge tip. Completely. And, you know, if, you, if you're dividing it up that way, 10% is going to innovation, sort of, you know, new channels, new platforms, new products, testing, new ad types, things like that still keep 90% of your budget where it's working right now. You know, like if, if you've got some really great sponsored product ad campaigns with a great ACOS and then they're raking in the sales, don't stop those. Keep doing what you're doing that's working, but you need to, in order to stay ahead of the curve, you need to also um, test new approaches. Yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's another huge mistake um, that Amy and I see a lot is, uh, people budgeting out on campaigns, you know, and, and some, I remember going into, I've told the story before, but I remember going into um, an ad account one time and uh, the guy was getting like a 5% uh, ACOS and he was budgeting out <laughs> at like $20 every day. And I was just like, Oh my God, there's so much opportunity here. Like continue to scale that budget until you can't scale it anymore. You know, especially if that ACOS stays in that, in that realm, you know, it's just like leaving money on the table. So um Another point I want to go back to, Kerry, is, you know, if you believe in your business, uh, sometimes it's super scary, but you're going to have to take that risk. I mean, um, uh, my, my wife uh, loves uh, to, to tell people how when we met, I had $50,000 in credit card debt. Um, and part of the reason for that is I was spinning up new businesses like crazy. Um, but to me, that was like uh, the equivalent. Of, I went to college, but I, it, was like my, it was like my MBA. I was learning so much during those 
you know, during those years that I was spending that money, if you guys were spending more on your innovation budget than you should have probably quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit more. Well, I was single, I was single back then. So a lot of it was going into, uh, into my dating website development. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys, you, you, you have to, you know, not be afraid to go negative sometimes. And if you truly believe in what you're doing, um, and you stick with it, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you have to, to weigh the pros and cons. Um, you know, none of the, if you, if you read all of the big success stories, you know, majority of them talk about how they failed like 10 times, you know, or 30 times or 50 times or how many other times you know, until they, until they, you know, got to, to the end goal and where they consider themselves successful. That being said, if you have children, like I do now, it's the, the risk quotient is probably a little bit uh, lower than it was when I was in my twenties, but you know, you still have to decide, you know, you know, maybe a little bit of credit card debt isn't the end of the world or, you know, a line of credit or whatever it is, but you know, don't just spend the money, have a plan before you spend the money, um, is what I would say on that note. And I think it's also really important to note that, you know, a lot of um, newer Amazon sellers, they don't have the margin because they maybe just have one product and they probably overpaid for it. Um, You know, so a lot of them, what I'm seeing with clients is they have such narrow margin that they're not actually able to then turn that inventory over and have enough money left over to even invest in advertising or growing their brand or finding that niche audience that would really be responsive to their brand. Um, and you know, they're kind of putting that one product out there and going, Oh my gosh, I'm out of money. What do I do now? You know, and then they're going into debt and, and going further and further into it. So, you know, definitely it's really great to, to think about, think about the future and come up with that plan to begin with hey, what does this brand look like and what kind of margins do we need to grow and what kind of products will we carry versus just kind of picking a product and throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks and not really paying attention to the margins that you need for growth. Do you see that at all, Kiri? Yeah, for sure. And there's different sensitivities to margins across different categories and for different companies. Um, and so if you're, you're also a really well-established company, you might be bringing out a new brand or a new, um, batch of products. You might be prepared to take a hit on that initially to establish yourself in that new category or with that new brand. So it's, you know, that there's no point talking about like what your target profit margin should be. It's going to be different for every brand, but, um, and every product launch and, if you're an individual or a, or a startup, then um, yeah, you've really got to balance the fine line between being profitable so you can stay in business and keep investing in your products and brand and expansion. And then also trying to be competitive enough to sell some volume. So it is really difficult. I would, um, yeah, it's, it's something you need to think about a lot, but what you're, is going to be exactly yeah absolutely so uh curie what uh websites tools um you know any it sounds like you might have built some internal tools kind of what what do you feel is essential um you know in your day-to-day when um your team is managing uh you know the, the 55 uh amazon accounts that they manage yeah so we actually don't with some very small 
little projects with macros and Google Data Studio. We actually don't haven't built any of our own software. And my um, other people will have a different perspective, but my personal viewpoint is let's stick to our knitting and what we're good at, which is the human service aspect, and we'll use best of breed third-party software tools. And I think at a certain point it makes sense if you're a big agency and you've got you know that expertise on hand then why not give that a try and obviously you've done very well with that but uh, I think you can spend a lot of time <laughs> trying to recreate something that already exists in the market that works really well and you can just pay you know 50 500 five thousand dollars a month for because um, there are some really great tools out there with like take a metrics for example popular ppc and profitability software they have a team of like 10 data scientists with engineering degrees from harvard you know so how <laughs> and yeah so there's, there's no shortage of, of great tools and more and more come out so i would say what would be critical for you to look at to automate some um mundane processes and things that machines frankly just can do better than humans is obviously keyword research that's just a no-brainer to give to a machine um ppc automation as well that's absolutely huge i still i don't think that you can automate everything you really need someone with a good eye and a good sense of how to analyze things getting in there periodically and checking things out and intervening when necessary but there's great tools out there that can automate a lot of really mundane tasks that are not necessary for a human to do yeah absolutely thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode join us every tuesday at 1 p.m pacific standard time for live q a and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com sponsored by the ultimate software tool for amazon sales and growth sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com